you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Wow! You, you've got a nice background today. How would you find that one? <laughs> it's, uh, it, as a matter of fact, in fact, uh, this is the uh, uh, kitchen table at my parents' house, and it's actually kind of weird because... With no light source, I'm looking really like shadowed here. Um, let me get a light on overhead and see if that's yeah. Sorry about this. Leaving the I should have done uh, a little experimenting. <laughs> that doesn't put a lot on me, does it? A little better. All right. One more. <laughs> 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 and I think if I let's see that's a little bit more from the kitchen does that balance me out the big thing of course is that the sun is coming right you know against the patio door here and so you know uh this is the best I got for today I yeah. could go elsewhere but over oh wait I just tilted it and that made it better who knows who knows who knows well we, we, we've got clouds here, but the whole side over here is like shiny. Maybe I should. And that's true. I don't have direct morning. reflection. So, okay. Alan, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you. I, I don't have anything cool on. I just have generic, you know, it, it's, it's just really geekery, but I guess it is. One of the interesting things about being out in California is how much of my um, fantastic working environment that I have at home at the Skynet home office do I, how, how can I recreate it? How much do I bring with me? So right now I'm on, you know, my, my uh, MacBook Air laptop with its reasonable sound and reasonable camera, which is kind of a miraculous thing, you know, compared to uh, you know, however many, 5, 10, 20 years ago, right. um, when they first started to have FaceTime, first started to have any kind of pre-Zoom and stuff like that, you really had to have uh, uh, matched equipment to make sure that your teleconference worked correctly and that there wasn't constant stuttering that interrupts of each other didn't like wreck it. Right. And boy, they really seem to have solved so much of that. You know, there is still a little bit of cutting in and out, but my, my ongoing assumption now is as long as I have my laptop or my phone and, and Zoom, you really can do this from pretty much anywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, if, and they have noise cancellation. So if I was sitting there in an airport, we can still have a conversation without worrying about being drowned out by all the announcements, right. all the kids screaming, all that. So, and, and like you said, your phone too. I mean, it's amazing how, uh, you know, like you said, 10, 15, 20 years ago to go on any type of out somewhere to a client to do a meeting, anything. I have my laptop. I have my phone. I have this charger. I have this cable. I have this extra thing. You know, it was just this big bag of stuff. And now literally if I'm going out of town or I'm working remotely, I grab a laptop and my phone and I'm pretty much set. And that's crazy knowing what it used exactly. to be. <laughs> <laughs> you, and, and this is kind of, and again, interesting artifacts. You know, when you and I do this at home, we're still within 30, 40 miles of each other. Right. Now we're within, and I just looked it up. We're like 2,400 miles, 2,371. Because when I was talking with my mom yesterday and I was saying, you know, instead of being local, I'm actually all the way over in Lakewood and when she said how far it's like well i think it's like between 2000 and 3000 miles and she for some reason she kind of wanted to know and so in real time on my phone i could put in maps and say if i'm trying to get Lakewood to oceanside you know 2370 uh, an hour you no know, a day and 10 hours driving if you drove straight through right. you know aided by um uh an artificial enhanced means perhaps you know i don't think i would <laughs> so unless you were doing what you know what's the name of the races where they try to go coast to coast in the oh, fast time ever. Right, right. Like like the, the movie Hidalgo with the, the horse. And and <laughs> Cannonball Run was a movie yes. about that, you know, that kind of thing. But I just, it's it's just amazing that you can do that. Yeah. Um, well, another thing that I'm realizing is, so I, uh, I'm very spoiled. At home, I have 
a two monitor setup. Each of them is like 24 or 27 inches. I'm just having a lot of screen, screen real estate. And the way I've tuned it is like my mind. I don't want to be distracted, but I don't mind having my um, browser open and my email and my calendar and just whatever I need to work right. on my top three, four, five things, I can easily get to it. That com compresses and crushes down into a little laptop screen. Right. And so I said, well, um, the last thing that we do when we're getting out of here, household, mom gone, et cetera, I don't want to say that out loud, sorry. It'll be a truck of stuff for each of us brothers coming back to the Midwest and dropping things off. So I've been emboldened by, well, if you're going to get a truck anyway, I can get a couple other things here. So I go looking for like, how can I get an external monitor? Just as if I was running a presentation at various different places, you know, you and I have talked about, I got all the adapters I need to go from my Mac video out to HDMI or DVI or VTA for that matter. And so I found like a high rated, high quality monitor, like 27, 24 inch maybe for like 150 bucks. Yeah. And that's not nothing. You know, I don't, I don't, I always think about, wow, 150 bucks, you know, that, that, you don't just throw that around, but for the um, recapture of how I like to work and the enhancement of my life when I'm out here a week out of a month for the foreseeable future, it just seemed like a, a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. So, and in this era of Amazon delivers, it'll be arriving like today. You know, I thought of doing this Tuesday I, I, while I was in the airport and I kind of cleared it with Colleen to make sure that it was all, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not addicted to my setup, but when you're here for days in a row, it just, it, I don't know. So I, I, I guess another, you know, the geekery part of it is the confidence with which that same setup that I've used to be able to go into any environment when I'm doing a presentation and know that it doesn't matter what laptop projector they have, or if they have a right. windows box or whatever, I'm going to be able to sub in my Mac with my adapters and in two minutes troubleshoot things so that I'm up and running on that screen. Yeah. And, and it is kind of funny things are deteriorating a little bit as we got, you know, when you did your cool presentation and find out that HDMI cables have like a uh, different endedness, where are the, you know, I, I, and, and so far as I know, I'm not sure who labeled on the cable, but it was, stupid if there was a difference. It would have a big fucking thing on it, hanging off saying TV end, PC yeah. You know what I mean? But you're not used to looking for that. I've you never seen a cable like that. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> And as much as they're not putting smarts into cables, you know, where it does its own, I don't know, signal strengthening, or maybe it's copy protection, whatever else it might be, they're building things into cables because you can miniaturize things so much now that it does have some smarts to it, but it's not the expectation for a long time. Every phone cord was exactly the same as right. was every Ethernet cable, as was every HDMI cable. And now they're not. <laughs> well, there's a, you know, that's a good... Uh, right there, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, but the specifications mm -hmm. and the standards, people don't realize that back in the day, how many different types of plugins you had on the computer and PC and Apple had different ones. And at the time, you remember like AT&T came out with their own computers and everybody had their own stuff. So every now and then you get this weird connector that's only for them. And, you know, it was definitely better exactly. now when everything's basically USB with a few other things. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, you know, you get, you learn pain. The monitor that I bought is HP. Specifically avoided HP because they're one of the ones where back when you were doing a additional memory in a PC and there was the LIM standard, right? Lotus, Intel, Microsoft, I guess. But there were some that did other things than that. And HP was one of them where that the basic assumptions that you could make about how a Windows box works, in some cases, I mean, a little bit like Microsoft, you know, embrace, extend, and extinguish. Things were better in, in what they were doing, but you had to commit to HP. And if the whole point of going with a Windows environment was um, more people making things, so it kept prices down, more software. Well, I don't want my things to break on HP boxes because I saved $50 over here, and now I'm losing that I can't use into it or something right. like that. You know what I mean? Right. So, I had that little twinge of, you know, when you go past a place where you once got a speeding ticket, every time you go by there, you slow down because your 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 reptile brain memory says, danger, danger. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a place where you get tickets. And so I'm hoping that HP hasn't continued its wayward ways that instead, if I put an HDMI, uh, HDMI cable in there, it's just going to work. Instead right. of 
Oh, that's an additional. <laughs> right, right. When, when I worked at the computer store, people would bring in HP computers and we'd be like, oh, hey, it's your turn to fix it. You know, nobody wanted to touch them. Right. Then they'd be come in and say, well, what would you recommend? You know, I saw this great HP. I'm like, uh, but the problem is the reasons uh, we recommended not getting an HP didn't make sense to the normal person. Well, it runs all the same stuff. Well, it's cheaper. It, you know, that was, they, they marketed it just like they should have. But, yeah. you know, if you knew, you knew. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I'll say, you know, it wasn't only HP PCs. I, you know, they have had great workhorse printers for a long time. That's yeah. kind of how they made their name. You know what I mean? The, That's the, what I got right now. Exactly. And, but unfortunately, they, had the, they were the first ones to, for their cartridges, build in the smarts that said, hey, I'm going to be able to let you know when your cartridge is getting low. Well, that's handy to know. Oh, but also I'm going to to make sure that it's an official HP cartridge. Right. And then that whole industry that's based on refilling cartridges or just having a third party, like, uh, you know, I'm just naming them, Epson, Brother, so many other places don't do that. HP was the one that did. And again, that kind of in legal terms, a tying agreement, you know what I mean? Where you make it so that it only works if you use up and down the vertical chain, all right. the same things from a vendor. That's just a way of them getting additional money because you have to buy that HP cartridge for 79 bucks instead of a refill for 39 or whatever else it might be. And I don't really care about the money. I care about the principle of the thing that I don't want to do business <laughs> with the company that's trying to addict you. Right, it's trying to force you to only use their stuff, which <laughs> arguably is just about all of them. I mean, you know, you could give that same argument with uh, Apple and Microsoft. You know, Microsoft's done it. Apple's tended more towards it since Steve Jobs is gone, and yeah. you know, and and not that they didn't do it before. It was just probably there. So. It's corporations, man. <laughs> you know what it might be? It's, it's that there's a sense of proportion to it. By that meaning, like, I could see how from platform to platform, Mac OS and Windows OS, very different. And, and there's justification for having things be dedicated yeah. to each of those different platforms. But what could be more generic than printer dust? Do you know what I mean? Well, the, way, the fact that they found a way to say, hey, that popsicle stick, that doesn't fit in every popsicle. Right. What do you mean? That's the most generic thing I can think of. No, no longer. We found right. a way to put a chip on a popsicle stick. And you know what I mean? I yep. just, I don't like where they get all. Well, well, remember <laughs> back when 95 hit and uh, Microsoft basically started paying all the companies to take all the smarts and drivers off the hardware and they put it all in windows. So if you bought one of these, it's like a hundred dollars cheaper than the other stuff but you had to only run it on Windows. There were printers and modems and uh, video cards. Well, video cards anyway. Well, not now, but you know, it, they, they, they said, we'll pay you. So people have to get our, you know, Microsoft's not dumb. <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of funny, you know, again, the geekery aspect, like business doesn't care about a lot of that as long as if I buy a hundred, a thousand boxes and they all work within my company, I'm okay. But if you're a gamer, if you're an individual who wants to maximize the use and that you actually think about, well, there's a new video card out, I want to upgrade so I get that faster refresh rate and you know more pixels and all that kind of stuff. And then you have to go into that world of drivers and compatibility and slot like something that sure looks like the same slot that I'm plugging this into. And yet they start to play with the pins and stuff like that. Right. So it, the gamers were the ones that always seem to be like, there's new technology being developed, but there's pain associated with embrace of new technology. And boy, I, I guess in the overall, you and I have talked about this. I never minded doing it because it was education. You know, once I know this part of my being a consultant is now whenever anybody says, Hey, I'm getting this weird thing over. It's like, Oh, I bumped into that. It's because your XYZ is not really compatible with this. So you have to download this little, you know, widget, Google, whatever, right. you know, thing, and that'll clear it up for you. But how would they have known that? You know, my, my stereotype was always, oh, you didn't read Appendix D of the manual where it talks about the very specific things that this requires. And I, it was nice. It's almost like you get people talk about the techno priests and the magicians. Well, if you were just a guy that knew more, that had bumped into more of those crazy situations, you really could think you could look like you were just pulling things out of the air or pulling them out of somewhere lower, but at least you knew how to conquer it. Yeah. And instead of being, I have no clue. Unfortunately, like we've also talked about, now that things have become more opaque, any number of times I'm like, oh, why in the world? 
I have no clue. I haven't bumped into the HDCP thing with my Roku box and my TV. And, and I, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, if you don't mind, I think that's an interesting theme. So I'm also trying to set that up here. I have an older Roku box compared to the Roku Ultra that I have at home now. So I brought that about with me just to say, well, let's see if it works. My dad has an old Sony Bravia TV. So it has like a single HDMI port. So then it's, okay, am I going to get one of those HDMI splitters? And they do different splittings where you can have one thing go in and out to multiple monitors, or you can have three <laughs> things go in and go out to a single monitor. So I have to be careful about that. And like you and I talked about, when I was troubleshooting at home, you find out that all the HDMI ports aren't the same. If it has multiple ports, this is the one that handles the copy protection. This is the one that handles the music better. You know what I mean? And so now I... I'm cobbling this together and it's, it's cool that if it works, it's going to be, wow, well, his TV is even older than mine and, and this older box. And yet somehow it still interoperates, but what's the first glitch that's going to happen where, huh, Disney doesn't work, even though it should, because they do something that is they, more modern and checks and Roku, doesn't let it go to, you know Roku what I mean? upgraded the OS and <laughs> Disney put some code in there and paid them for it. And oh, yeah, that. it, that's it. I mean, that, that's happened so often, you know? Yeah. And what's funny is I didn't just name Disney randomly. If I was to pick a company that was trying to say, who, what are we going to do to make sure that our stuff is more specifically only allowed, et cetera? So I could have picked Netflix because, as you know, there's a little bit of a controversy going on now where they're cracking down. They're cracking down because there's been so much Netflix sharing. And that's, I, I really think that that shouldn't have been allowed. There really should be, hey, you know, an IP address. You know that if you're yeah. sharing from different locations in the house, still legit. If you're sharing from California, Texas, and Ohio, maybe not so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so. I, I'm looking forward to when I get this all set up, what really works and what doesn't. And again, having that little bit of anybody else who has an older TV and you're thinking of, can I use a newer box on an old TV? I'll have some insight into, well, you got to make sure that you have an ethernet capable because <laughs> if the TV has any smarts, then you can see if the firmware for the TV has any update. Right. And then you, you know what I mean? Like I'm, there's going to be a whole cascade of what I'm going to try before I say, well, this works and this doesn't. I can watch three of my channels, if you will. I can watch Netflix and HBO Max, but I can't get to Disney or whatever else it might be. Right. Oh, well. So. Well, and, and that's what we were talking about with the differences and all that uh, Mac OS and the controlling like HP has done. But now we're getting more third parties that we're able to rely on. So it really is, it goes back and forth. So, you know, things get a little cracked down and for a while, you know, and, but now you got more choices and Linux. And I, I usually wouldn't recommend any Linux to just the average home user because right. they're going to want to download software and stuff and then it's not going to work. But, and this helps with the travel how much stuff is on a service that's web-based that you go through a browser. I could literally only have a browser and probably do everything I do in a day. Some of it might take a little more work, you know, FTP. You, it, you can do it through the browser. It takes a little work. Uh, programming, like there's one of the uh, apps uh, I have for writing that is right through the browser. And then the cool thing is I could pull it up on my desktop, on my laptop, on my phone, on my Mac mini. Uh, and it's it the, works everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, and that's, that's where we're getting a lot of that. You know, that's why people can say, well, I don't care about Mac or windows. I have a Chromebook because I do everything through a web browser. Yes. And they read that. I have said that to people where they, they think that there's still a war on, and it really is. It hasn't been. It hasn't been since we had ubiquitous browsers that take care of right. all that incompatibility, if you will. And they've got their own little war that, you know, depending on how much they follow the um, HTML standard and CSS and the various different things. And if you throw right. Adobe into the mix and it works better on some platforms than others. And how much extra I'm, crap they have built into it. <laughs> right. I still have. And this, this boggles my mind, actually. I still have for Ticketmaster that I can't buy tickets through Safari, the, the default Macintosh browser, because it brings up a pop-up window that isn't fully secure. And other browsers that have their own security that matches it to HTTPS, but it's not really the secure version, they'll still bring it up. 
the Mac just says, no, this isn't the standard. And so we're not going to show it to you. Yeah. So every time that I'm like, especially if you do this thing where, oh, tickets just went on sale at 10 in the morning and I'm going to hop right on and get really close tickets. And then I'm ready to buy. It's like, oh, I forgot about the problem with Ticketmaster. I'm so well, sorry. And then I got to go recreate all that and you lose your spot in the queue. It's like, damn it. I'm going to be six rows further back because I... And so I have to right. remember. <laughs> and, 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 you know, browsers are funny. Uh, I've got Chrome and Firefox and Edge and Blaze and Opera. And I still have a, a Maya or whatever that's supposed to be right. for helping I have Brave. You. I have Safari. Yeah. I have exactly, you know. And, and it's kind of funny. They, um, I did that for a long time. When I was really doing much more coding and was making sure that I was on multi-platform stuff, I would check every browser and look for the weird inconsistencies and could I resolve them? And I would also check various different versions of the OSs, you know, so Mac deteriorates pretty well. Windows, there was often big changes between what uh, what was the previous edge, Explorer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that they have various different things. And uh, just the amount of overhead that went with that, I kept thinking there has to be someone that's going to put together the automated testing box that's going to say you check boxes as to all the platforms you think you need to support and i will run it through and give you an error report that says this is what breaks here this that you know the code has been decremated here decremated de decremented um you know what i mean where there's there's it, browsers are an interesting thing because they're um it's not really compiled i don't actually i don't know it changes depending on where you go sometimes if it's got any kind of java or any kind of live code right. in it it downloads things, you know, download what it needs while it needs it. But then you also, what I don't know what current version of those various different things is because it kind of does that in the background and I'm not aware of what it's doing with, and it's not just Java, it's PLC. It's um, what are all the other, you know, there's kind of like- a, Well, just all uh, the media, how how that gets handled, you know, with the okay, new and versions of right HTML and stuff. Right, there's different compressors and decompressors. There's various different, you know, things that, that will let you look at all the different kinds of, uh, GIFs and it's like you know I know I say GIF but I said GIF because the guy just died and so I gave him GIF because he insisted it was GIF even though it's a hard G in graphic yeah but anyway <laughs> oh, well so, unless you have a GIF GIF then, then okay. you're <laughs> exactly See, I just stumbled onto uh I like to keep my stuff up to date because it eliminates all those weird little glitches that you don't realize is happening just because you're one. And sometimes creates brand new ones. <laughs> and and they'll do that too. There's, there's associated. Well, there used to be a thing called Mac update. Um, so Mac's app store has gotten really good with it. Anything you get from the app store, it automatically keeps updated in the background and you never have these incompatibilities, but you don't get everything from the Mac up, uh, app store. You get things from many other vendors. Right. So there's a cool utility called Mac update that used to take care of scanning in the background and letting you know, I can automatically do this for you, or you have to run an installer and here's where to get it and all that kind of stuff. And I guess whoever was running it, owning it, got tired and they stopped updating it like two Mac OSs uh, ago. Uh -oh. And um, grr, I keep getting requests from them to keep my subscription going, even though I'm on a Mac OS that they don't support anymore. So you'd think that a place that checks the update, checks the compatible version of everything, would check my compatible version of Mac OS right. and say, why am I telling you that Mac update desktop should be? Anyway, so I've abandoned them. There's a new utility called Mac Updater, which is like, why would they do that? Why would they create that? ambiguity but they did and that one seems to do all of what i used to like the old one did and it's very current and it's very smart and all that kind of stuff and then i got to see over the course of two years just how many things had deteriorated like i got this cool thing for the mac called graphic converter i'm not sure if there's a windows version of it but all of what we just talked about good lord there are so many um photo things and animated graphics and all different kinds of things that if you want to change between them this really will do it. It really knows enough about the formats for every single thing. It handles like 130 or something. And so if you're trying to, I've had a number of times where I'm going to a website and wants me to update, uh, upload a picture of myself as part of my profile. Well, I have a pretty standard PNG that I use. Oh, this one somehow doesn't take PNGs. <laughs> what? Well, you know, this is like, it's like you don't speak English. You don't it's take dollars. man. <laughs> And so then if I really need to be on that site, I'll go and convert it to whatever they require, a TIFF or something like that. But I'm like, man, if I 
if I had to depend on each of those applications to do the conversion for me, I none of them seem to do it. This cool um, Swiss army knife of graphic formats has saved my bacon dozens of times just to be able to, no matter what people are asking for, I can give it to you in that format. And so far as I can tell, it doesn't degrade it. It doesn't deteriorate it. We're all, now this is all pixelated. It can only handle, you know what I mean? It really seems right. to be and perpetually updated. So whenever there is an update of that new standard, it embraces those new things that now it includes meta information and all that kind of cool stuff. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, uh, I mean, I do use Linux a little bit here and there. Again, I, I just can't get myself to use it daily because I always run into little things that are aggravating and take too long and right. don't and your work. time is valuable. You don't want to spend your yeah. time in computing mode all the time. All, right. <laughs> but there are some times when the, the first thing I do is like, okay, I have a problem. I need a certain type of software. I need a different type of software or blah, whatever it happens to be. I will do a search. And first thing I'll do is look for open source Linux type software and see what's available. Because a lot of times it is really good and really powerful and works. And even better now, they're coming out with Mac and uh, Windows versions. It used to be like a Linux only version. Now it's Mac and Windows and it's open source. And so, you know, there are some, I, but again, it's not something if you are just the casual user, you know, home user, you know. That's right. What was interesting is looking at that in two years worth of not having touched various different things, there were any number of things that I haven't, I, I hadn't used it in two years. So I hadn't been prompted by open office or libra office to say hey we've got new updates and so i guess it's nice to have that around when i really have to get something from somewhere else and i can't use microsoft because there's something on but it had been that long since i'd had to do that and so it's kind of handy oh i guess i do have that and then also i kept making little notes to myself of hmm whatever current that desktop i'm on because i'm on the m1 version i thought that i had pretty much loaded everything i might need over the course of the first couple of weeks. But then, oh, I have um, LibreOffice, but not OpenOffice. And then you're like, oh, OpenOffice is no longer being supported. So maybe I checked that back then, but maybe it just is the passage of time sometimes kills off noble efforts like right. an open source Microsoft. Right. And, and so that little reacquaintance with, oh, that's a good font handling utility. I don't really deal with fonts at a deep level anymore. That's another thing that's kind of a solved problem. But if ever I had to do something where I have to worry about the difference between a font and a font and the whole family that doesn't include not only italic and bold, but other, other things to it, now I have this thing that will fix that for me so it'll be compatible or right. whatever, you know? Right. And it's, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned OpenOffice and LibreOffice because I use both of those. I have them on my okay. Windows and I have them on my Linux systems. And there's things I do with uh, some surveys that I get as a spreadsheet. And the easiest way to use it is to convert it to a CSV and open it in OpenOffice. And I have, it's easier to manipulate and do things than Excel. Because, yeah. you know, for this particular thing, and I convert it and use it. And LibreOffice is recommended quite often for writing, but it's also the one that comes installed on a Raspberry Pi. So, you know, okay. and, and like what I mentioned about the clouds. So I do my writing on Scrivener usually uh, yeah. on my Windows, but I have Vellum on my Mac and that's what does the formatting and stuff. So I have to export it, save it as a Word doc into my iCloud drive. Then I open up my Mac and there it is. Boom. I pulled in the Vellum. It formats. So again, it's using the best tools and there are tools yeah. on Windows, but that's always everybody says vellum's it that's just use it i i have the flexibility i can use them all i don't have to you know right, stick with right. one. Yeah. and this is it's kind of funny we probably should have said right at the very start of the episode we should have said hey everybody who has a smartphone you're probably not going to care about all this talk of file compatibility and converting because it does all that in the background there's no longer even having to worry about what dot yeah. you know suv <laughs> or something like that is attached to it only occasionally when you really do get a, a PDF that you can't open for some reason, because, you know, whatever it might be, sometimes there really are things that won't open on your phone, but it, they've made that invisible because it was such a hassle for so many people of having to deal with the difference between an XLS and an XLX or whatever, you know, the very different right. standards that Microsoft has had. And I guess I'm happy about that on the phone 
but I also I'm aware that sometimes it really does matter platform to platform or whatever, that at least you know what to do in case it breaks. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. We've talked about this before. The more that it gets opaque, the more that it also means that when something does break, you don't even know what to do. You don't even know where to <laughs> Exactly. <So. laughs> yeah. You know, we should do a talk sometime about little tricks we've learned on the phones and things that people may not realize. Yeah. Oh. That, I'll tell you, that used to be a fixture. Every Macworld conference that I went to, there was a guy named Dr. McIntosh, Bob Levitis, if I remember right. And I don't know if I ever heard his name said out loud. I think it's Levitis. And he had that in, the, in, 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 in all the little bits that he had picked up over the course of time. And you could just, while he was talking, hear people in the audience going so that's what that you know what i mean <laughs> yes. it was going to save somebody so much work and so much pain of just uh i'm not sure how much this matters nowadays it used to matter that you knew what the loading order of things were that right you know it really did make it that you, know, you had to put something in in place first so that whatever little changes little demons and stuff it set running didn't collide with something else there was even a thing a macintosh facility called conflict catcher that not only told you about that, that had a whole database of what had to do it in order, but if you really couldn't figure out what was going on, it would do things like start with your set of, let's say 16 different things, and it would say, okay, I'm gonna run the first eight and not the second eight, and if that all works, then I know that it's not in that set of eight. And it would do eight, four, two, one, and do various different mixtures, then it would say, it looks like the problem is with X, Y, Z. And you know what I mean? So it actually, that was such a common problem that it had automated the binary search way of figuring out this guy either has to get eliminated or has to get a newer version, or you have to put it at the very start or at the very end of all this. And there are certain things that I really abandoned because though they were powerful, they didn't play well with others. You know what I mean? You right. just couldn't put them into the mix with all the other stuff. It's like, and, and you, you make that last ditch effort of going to their website and in the, you know, hey, contact us, you put the box, Okay, here's what I got going on, and you don't work with all these things, and really, you how can you be incompatible with Adobe or Microsoft or Mac, Mac OS and that kind of stuff? So it's not just me. This has to be causing pain to a lot of other people. Maybe you need to not just put it out there, but actually do some yeah, of this kind right. of compatibility testing. And maybe one out of ten times would somebody actually you'd see the next version had fixed whatever was wrong with it. A lot of times it just seemed to be. I don't know. It's a kid doing it as a hobby and they, they don't want to do all that testing. They want to move on to the next cool thing. <laughs> you know, right. so. and, and that's one of the things, and this actually is a little bit of a tech update I mentioned and goes right into it. One of the things we've talked about difference between Macs and windows is windows. I, I mean, I don't want to say open in the sense of open source, but it was open because anybody could write software and hardware and get it all to work into there. And it was, you know, it was pretty easy to do relatively. And so that's why we had 500 million choices of everything. Apple right. went the other direction and tried to really clamp down and focus on, okay, this works. It works with everything else. That's your choice, you know, and, and we right. don't need 500 million choices and they kept it small. So yes, there are sometimes incompatibilities on Windows and everyone always blames Microsoft. It's like, it's not Microsoft. It's because you bought from a bad company that doesn't know how to make drivers. Uh, right. That's really the problem. Uh, Microsoft did what they did to allow those types of things. Um, but that uh, said, what I've done in the last couple of days, uh, this is something I mentioned way long ago and I finally sat down and did it on my Mac. I, I've been doing publishing and some game programming and uh mostly it's going to the phones and tablets but you can do it for the desktops with windows uh it's not too hard to create something there's all sorts of online stores and stuff you could you know sell your games or whatever anywhere uh android going through google again it's not huge problem it's fairly easy to get it set up but uh apple says you have to have a mac and you have to get it certified and you have to have certificates right. and security. And, it so, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. so it's much more difficult, a lot more work, especially if you're mainly a Windows user. But it's also, I would say, more trustworthy. They don't get a lot of crap through. You don't yeah. hear about the, the flashlight programs that are ripping your contacts on the iPhone as you do Android. Absolutely. That is exactly the, the reason that I have usually differentiated between Windows and Mac is not only the, the amount of software out there, like you said, in the age of the browser, that tends to matter less and less, but it absolutely was 
Like if you're worried about malware, Apple has had a much better stance on yes. that for a long time Absolutely. by being that you have to certify and that you have to uh, stay within how they do controlled memory. You know what I mean? They really, right. their OS is set up so that there really is partitioning and that they can't get root. They can't take your machine down. They can't lock your hard drive. That's worth a whole bunch of time and money to me to make sure that I'm not going to be the one that gets the email that says, hey, we decry- we encrypted your hard drive. Right. Hey, you know what I mean? And I my, my biggest problem currently is, I think I might have mentioned this, I'm not anywhere near good about reusing passwords by that meaning I do. And when I, even my longest, my, I think my longest one is still safe, but my second longest one, which I've used dozens of places, I just got word that it had been in a breach. So then the overhead of having to go to each one of those sites and update your, um, uh, and Mac kind of conquered that by saying, we have a way of generating a password specific to a site and we keep it for you. We keep it in a keychain that's encrypted. So it's not a, um, a hold into your system, but the hassle of how many places I have to go to and other password managers besides Apple's like um, OnePass, LastPass, a couple things, they aren't perfect. And so sometimes it'll generate a new password and then I'll go back to the site later and be like, oh, it didn't save it. Right. Well, well I remember the, the, the generated <laughs> random one that you have and right. I wasn't used to taking a, you know, um, if I, take a, not a screenshot, maybe I need to take a screenshot because then it's on paper. Because if I take a, um, you know, drag my cursor across it, do a copy, do a paste into a little document. So I have a document that has all my passwords. Tell me that that's not a security hole. Someone finds that plain text document and they have my passwords for everything. Right. So and and especially we were just talking problems. about cloud and stuff. So you save it, uh, you're trying it everywhere. Exactly. You know, so I don't mind. Uh, the, I'm moving more and more towards all the biometrics. If I have to put uh, my thumb down on my magic, uh, you know, and I have to do face recognition, they, you know, my new iPhone 13 Max does all of that. And the only hassle occasionally is, oh, I don't have it tilted so it can make out my face. Oh, it had, I had to do a version of me with glasses on right. and a version of me with my mask on. But now it handles all that. And so it, it's a little bit, I'm not exercising the memory muscle that has you remember the various different passwords, but it's also nobody else has my face right. or my face with mask and that kind of stuff. So it's that much safer and it doesn't have to worry about the, it didn't remember my password. And now I have to go through the forgot your password. Here's a couple security questions about your first doggy or whatever else right. it might be. You know well, what I mean? You uh, know, that, that, that works until I 3D print an owl. <laughs> and that's true you know it, it, since i just saw a movie where they had to like cut somebody's finger off in order to be able to get into the lab it's like yeah. please don't take right. my face off so that you right. can use it to get into the right so I, I don't know if you saw my post on this but uh the coolest thing yesterday was when i was messing with everything mm-hmm. I, I i had to go through certs uh, security certificates on the Mac and get them in the keychain and you'll walk through all those steps. It's a lot of work, but it was the coolest thing yesterday that I had game maker open, had a little program I created that I was putting on my Android. I think I showed it to you just, Hey, it works great. But to be able to connect it to the Mac and it like shot it over there, it compiled on the Mac and I could put it on my test, uh, iPad. And I'm like, that is just the coolest thing. Right. Instead of having to drop to the command line and, and do all that in order to get something installed, that it really now does have all that compatibility and, and platform to platform transport and stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm spoiled by it. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm spoiled by how easy they've made that. Right. Hey, you, do what? No. If you develop for the Mac at all and you use their development environment and use Swift, man, another way in which things have gotten so much better. I mean, uh, I, I'm ba- way back, you know, they started all quirky. I was back in the days of basic and Pascal and PL1 and PLC and C and C plus and C plus plus. And on, you know, Fortran, I really probably know a dozen, two dozen different languages. Having said that, one of the things that made you like or not like various different languages was how, um, how they handled the typing of variables. So you had to worry about really knowing whether it was character or, or uh, uh, numeric, and especially everything about garbage collection and memory management, and even more so just the, um, uh, while you're working in the development environment, how do you know syntax? 
I don't want to be popping open a book to make sure that I have the right number of commas because this thing takes eight parameters. And if you don't have the, the parameter that you care about exactly in the right place, it breaks. And so they got all kinds of wonderful integration for when I use, uh, you know, any command, you can pop up things that say, here's how you know this is correct or not. It never lets you make just grammatical things. If you need a comma, it tells you about it. If it, if it has, uh, you know, um, an open and closed paren and you're missing the closing paren, it'll tell you about it. So the amount of time that used to be spent way back in that crappy name at COBOL days of just having to run a program and having it break because you had something in the wrong column or you had something that wasn't, you know, it, it, it's taken all of that pain away consistently. The things that were taking the most of my time that weren't really about producing something beautiful, but were just overhead, like I said, memory management, they've got such great stuff now about avoiding yeah. memory leaks and making, so hats Some of off them, people that continue to develop these development environments because it's its own very sophisticated program and it handles multiple languages and it'll like highlight things in different colors so that you can yeah. scan and you know, pop open paragraphs and stuff. You, know, you can expand and collapse things and just it has changed how I program because that used to be when I'm trying to debug a program, print it all out and lay it on the table and go like, you know, with colored pens almost matching. Right. All the things I used to do, they did for me automatedly. Oh my <laughs> Go God. Sub. And, and, and it had, it's been that way, not just recently. That's been around for 20, 30 years. They got very smart very quickly. Some frustrated programmer says, I'm not going to write another program. I'm going to write a better development environment so that every program is going right. to be easier. Man, hats off to them because they have such great stuff. Now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> what I got attracted to Python more recently. Because okay. I'm playing with it and I'm like, wow, this language is just like almost perfect. It's just, you know, easy and it makes sense. And the things they did were smart, but also um, hats off to Microsoft for doing C sharp, which is the next extension of C++, their own thing, but they made it open source. And there's people on all environments programming in C sharp because a lot of people really, really like it. So, exactly. you know. Those modern languages, man, go back to the Commodore 60. Heck, I remember the Commodore 64 basic. You had to put line numbers in and you had the number at like 10 and 20 and not just one, two, three. Because if you forgot something and you had to put it in there, there was no 1.5 line. That's exactly right. And there was nothing those... to tell you that your go to 255 should now be go to 300. <laughs> <laughs> I. I made a living for a couple of years working for Pete Marwick doing software tools that took old garbage COBOL, spaghetti COBOL, and made it into nice structured COBOL so that uh, a human being besides the original author could read it and understand what it was doing. Instead of having things that fell through, you know, based on not only go-to structure, but just that it fell through, you had everything so you could see the movement of the flow of the code. And, and in those old places, like big, insurance companies, utilities, banks that first had to go to big iron to big computers. And you had either one guy that had been there for a long time and, right. and didn't render his secrets up easily because that was his employment insurance. <laughs> or you had 50 people that had worked on it all with their own ideas to what data naming conventions are and coding standards are. And it really was like, good Lord, this is like schizophrenically bad. This is just so cobbled together. I, I really, that those were very cool tools. So hats off to, wow, John Delmonico and Jerry Hawkins. And, you know, I'm trying to think of the people who, who built these tools that figured out how to fix all that. John Hayes, who, who wrote, here's a way to get a measure of complexity of your code so that you can see out of your portfolio of 10,000 programs, if you fix these 10, you're going to get rid of 80% of your problems that you're having elsewhere, that way where people can't figure out, if I have to change the date come year 2000, where, where am I going to have to go in code to do that in all the data divisions and all that kind of stuff? I know I'm dating myself with COBOL, but you know what I mean? They, that's uh, it. Wow. That, yeah. 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 <laughs> I worked on the formatter for a while and was just being plunged into that and like, wow, there's such smarts in here. They wrote it in COBOL and writing something as sophisticated that in COBOL was its own kind of like, it was amazing. So hats off to the whole uh, shout out to my, my uh, Pete Marwick, catalyst group team because they were doing things that like nobody else in the world was doing that 
And that's a real cool environment to like grow up as a coder that you're not just, oh great, another reporting program for a bank. That instead they were doing really cool, sophisticated stuff and selling it to like governments and stuff like that. I, you know cool. what I mean? So cool. anyway. <laughs> hey, I got two questions for you. First one, which brother's that with the eagle in the background? Oh, let me see. Oh, um, actually, that's my um, nephew. Oh. Uh, and it, it, so it's, it's like you asked me the most like, oh, my God, I hope I don't get their names wrong. So that's Nick. <laughs> I my older brother has Ariel and Brian and my younger brother has Rolina and Nick and that's Nick that has the entire uh, Eagle Scout uh, badge set yeah yeah so it looked that, that happened within the last couple of years and it was very cool to be like uh wow I, I don't know anybody else that I guess I knew of people done it but nobody else in my family had gotten the full set he so got all the merit badges yeah I think he did oh, I, I got nice. enough to be an Eagle Scout and I thought it kind of required I don't know, like 39 out of 42. I think he might have had well, everything. Well, there, so, well, there's a hundred and some different badges, but oh, yeah, there's 40-ish okay. or so that are required. You have to get or 30 something. I, it changes. Okay. I mean, I, right. I got it in the Stone Age. So um good for uh, you. But wow, honestly, I think that's one of those things people always talk about. Hey, what do you put on your resume? Do you put Mensa on there? No, not necessarily. <laughs> but if you were an Eagle Scout, that really well, even young, you had stick to itiveness. Yes, you had multiple talents. I got involved I mean? back with is. scouts with my son, and I, I shake my head. It's not the organization it used to be, uh, oh, at least not okay. our local thing. But okay, so here I'm gonna brag. Uh, this will be a not even a humble brag, this is a straight out brag. Um, <laughs> so you start Boy Scouts when you're 12 after Weebelows, uh, and they're each rank. There's a certain time period. You have to uh, be that rank for at least a minimum length of time and meet certain requirements, leadership and merit badges and certain amount of campouts, blah, blah, blah. So the shortest amount of time was like just a little over like two years, almost two and a half years uh, to go from uh, the tenderfoot to eagle. Like that was, you know, if you really worked on it. Yeah. So you start at 12. I got my ego at 14 and a half. That's so fantastic. Wow. You know, most people don't do it that quick, but, and you'll like this, my Eagle project was down at West branch. There was an old fishing trail and I worked with the uh, army Corps of engineers for this right down by the spillover dam. There was a mile long trail. We converted it to a hiking trail. We put in bridges. We put, stuff down for people to walk on we put up signs we made a booklet so people could identify things and yeah. did all that so uh that was my eagle project that's that's impressive as all hell colina and i as you know we go hiking all over the place right. we've seen probably half a dozen of those where here's a beautiful um you know a, a patio and a bench right on the river that it was somebody's Eagle Scout project was to create this beautiful thing with the little placards that say, you'll probably see loons here and stuff like that, you know? So well, good for you. You know, that, yeah. That's oh yeah. Because of you, that's cool. It, it, it took almost a year completely to do uh, wow. with all the work and all that. And it was a mile long and we had spots, you know, marked and, and there were three other Eagles after me that did projects on the trail that improved parts of things, this, that, and the other things. So, they added to it because yeah, yeah that's great. That's, that was, and <laughs> I remember it because the day uh, we opened the, the trail and the newspaper was out, you know, the local rep from scouts and army Corps of engineer leader from Pittsburgh and blah, 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 all that yeah. jazz. Uh, they all came out. We had a big, hoo-ha and all that i was like oh my god talk faster because i wanted to go see back to the future in the theater and they were taking too long <laughs> i didn't want to miss it right when you're 14 you got your priorities that's straight. right you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> honestly that's like pre-high school that's just amazingly yeah. cool i made it to weepelows and i didn't advance anywhere beyond that so good for you man that well thanks that, so there's my brag yeah, yeah anyway so okay so here's my other question, something you mentioned uh, as a topic a while back that we haven't touched. Explain to me what Wordle is. Now, I know it's an app. I know it's a word type game. <laughs> I've not played it, but I've been seeing more and more people posting. And I see these weird blocks and people are like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. <laughs> right. Honestly, this is very funny. I've never played it because I saw it 
come out quickly. And a lot of people have kind of an automatic aversion to fads. I don't want to get pulled into the next farm game or the next right. League of Legends game or whatever else it might be. So even though it was a word game, I just, I've resisted it. And I'm not sure why, because I usually love Scrabble and other things. The way it works is you have six tries to get a five letter word and you guess a word. And then it tells you um, which of the letters are yes, correct and in the correct place and which of the letters are it is that letter is in the word somewhere but it's not in the correct place and green is the one where it's both of those things and yellow is the one where it's the right letter but in the wrong place made a little complex because it for instance if you have multiple uses of the same letter in dolly it'll tell you l but it won't give you two l's because it doesn't have any way to show that for your one l do you use in your starter word and so people they, they there's a whole now kind of interesting set of skills, the science behind. So what's a good word to start with? Well, you know, there's a letter distribution. If I remember right, it's something like etoin shridlu, that those right. are the most current commonly used. And so you try to come up with, I'll try stone, because that way it'll have, you know, two of the vowels and STN, which are common, and I'll get a lot of information for that. And then the next one will be something like, I don't know, metal or something like that, where it'll be the vowels you haven't used yet, and I already am wrong because I used the E, but by gathering that, you'll be able to quickly get to, okay, I know four out of the five letters, apply my anagramming skills. And so you'll people often get it two, three, four once in a while. And you'll see this, people will really grouse about it because they got a word like um, it's got four out of the five letters correct, but the one that they're missing, there's many possibilities. So if you have like um, S-T-A blank E, it could be, um stale or you know uh, um stare state. or you know, state and all that kind of stuff and so sometimes you'll see them get really close after the second or third word and then get three swings and misses because they kept trying to guess the letter instead of well what letters could it be i'll think of a word that has three of those five letters and whichever one you know what i mean there's there's kind of a a guessability to it that you can apply if right. you want to well, um some people have never got uh, missed one they really are really good at their vocabulary and they're really good at that little science of making good guesses. And once in a while, people will say, well, I just flew it for the first time because I was so certain that it was, I don't know, you know, uh, all those things and turned out to be steak. I didn't guess the K, darn it. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, Well, I, I can see how that uh, uh, appeals to the Mensons. You know, a group puzzle game, it's words, exactly. it's anime. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely see that. It is cool. I probably, it's kind of funny. I should be doing it, but fighting against that is at one point I was playing Scrabble online and I was finding out that I was dedicating like, I don't know, an hour a day to it, you know, because if you're playing, you can play multiple games and when somebody else has gone, they tell you and you can go back on. And so it was like, it didn't seem to be taking a lot of time. I would go on and, and I play pretty quickly. Um, but then the cumulative thing was I was playing an hour a day. And when I looked and I said, man, what could I be doing with that hour? Right. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm already pretty good at Scrabble. I'm not necessarily getting that much better. And I could be out walking in that hour. I could be sorting comic books in that hour. And I just kind of pulled back. And now I have the thing of, I don't want to start in anything that I could see be, and I don't think Wordle can be an hour. It probably is two minutes out of your day. But and, but and, it has that addiction quality. So like every really 10, 15 minutes, you're just checking real quick or whatever. Like that. I, I think I mentioned I was in a very cool trivia league called, uh, um, why is it escaping me? Sorry, Learned League. And a, a really great guy, uh, Thorsten uh, I Integrity, does really good, high quality trivia things. And there's a little bit of you're matched against a certain person and you bet on what. Uh, um, the, the probability that you think they're going to get the answers just like they're betting on yours. So you assign points, if you will. And, and I was doing okay, because I know a lot of trivia, but what I was discovering was I really didn't like that that was, like you had to do it every day for the course of 30 days or something like that. And I didn't like the fact that I was, that was on my mind. I'm overseeing a show at Playhouse Square from eight to 11. I'm loving the show. And then instead of oh, well, let's just go to Aladdin's because they're open late and have a little late night nosh. No, got to get home because I didn't get my, my learning league in and I got to get it in or I forfeit and forfeiting is really bad. And, and I don't know, I, I didn't like the fact that I was making it the most important thing. And then it, it ended poorly. 
um, as you might imagine, there, there's a whole bunch of good trivia people in it from college bowl days and Jeopardy days and stuff like that. And so it really matters to some people a lot. And I was doing pretty well, but I haven't really been that guy. I'm not, I wasn't a big, uh, it's academic. You know what I mean? I wasn't in that field. So the more that I got, uh, that I did well, there were things like, who is this guy? I'm like, well, just be kind to me. Just be happy that I'm doing okay. Um, I made a big mistake. They, they have big rules about cheating too. You know what I mean? You really, how, how would you cheat about a trivia contest? But there really are people that apparently their ego is in it or they, I don't know. I don't know. So while you're working on it, of course you can't, what's the point of looking something up online? You know what I mean? You, you, you answer the questions. Um, I, there was a cool question that I was curious about and I made a copy of it so I could look it up later. Apparently you can't even do that. That looks suspicious. Wow. And so I, I got booted because I'm pretty sure that that's what they thought I had done. But, and it's kind of funny. Well, but I had submitted my answers and I didn't look it up until afterwards, but they don't know the timing of that or something, I guess. And so I'm sad because I was kind of enjoying it. But for those reasons of it can't be the most important thing in my life. <laughs> and like, why isn't this just fun that instead, and uh, oh, and I, I, so I hope you don't mind. This is kind of a weird confessional. I, uh, as you know, I was on Jeopardy and I won once, but I became very aware on Jeopardy of how I, I kind of got like butterflies in my stomach because, oh, now this isn't sitting around at a mensa gathering and just throwing out answers. And if anything, first saying a funny answer, because that's more fun, and then saying the real answer, that it was important. You're playing for money on Jeopardy. Right. So why did I lose on Jeopardy? Because I kept like betting big money. And then because it was a a big question, I would kind of, my mind would go weird. I wouldn't be all calmly right. answering. I would get all kind of twitchy. Well, the same thing was happening in this Learned League thing. Then I a couple of times got into the final rounds where, you know, there's going to be a championship. And after I had gotten, I don't know, pretty consistently 80% of questions right or something like that, in the final, I'd get like 50 because the questions are that much harder. And also because I could just see uh, it's, I'm not performing well under pressure. I'm not that guy. I never really thought of it that way. I never really thought I was the guy that if I was to come up, you know, bottom of the ninth at bat, that I'd be the guy that would whiff instead of getting a single or hitting a homer or something like that. But somehow that was happening often enough that that was also people saying, well, and, and also you're not just doing it online. There's somebody observing you, you know what I mean? To make sure that there's no cheating. And so it's like, I don't know, I was friends with them. How are you doing, Scott? You know, let's go. And I got enough weird, tough ones that it really proved I know a lot about Mad Magazine. I know a lot about your sports trivia, even though I'm not a big sport head. But my numbers were such that people were not happy with me. You know what I mean? And so I just, why, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I going into this situation? If it matters a lot to certain people, let them have it then. I, yeah. I was. I didn't like who, how I was handling it. I didn't like the stringency of it. To me, trivia, like it's kind of built into the name. It's not significa. It's trivia. Does it really yeah. matter that I know who was the the what yeah. number you dialed in dial M for murder? It's, to me, it's funny if you get the name of the planet that was the ice planet in Star Wars. But it doesn't matter. It never matters. You know what I mean? Right, it only right. matters. To the people that memorize lists of international currency. And, and, and like memorizing so, trivia doesn't necessarily mean your IQ is high or smart. And getting it wrong doesn't mean that opposite either. You know, <laughs> and there is that. that. And maybe, you know, that's got to be part of it is that it, it, is, it isn't about being smart. I have, I have real respect for people that have amazing memories. It's very cool to have that photographic or near eidetic memory. The people that can name... For every song, like the artist and the label that it was right. on, and what year it came Here, out, that's yeah. really kind of an amazing savant skill. But, but I know it's a savant skill. It only matters if you go on and play Jeopardy or you go on uh, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Right. And so it's very, it, it could be handy. It made me a couple thousand dollars, but I wasn't going to make a living off of the fact that right. I remember Saturday morning cartoon show theme songs. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, so, it's like magic. You know, I've played magic a large portion of my life and I go down to my friends and we play magic. I love it, but I've only played in a few tournaments and I never enjoy it as much because they're out for blood. They're out to kill. They're out to be number one and the best. Mm -hmm. And 
And with magic, you know, it's one of those things that if you spend more money, you'll get better cards. So it compensates for skill and to some degree, I mean, you still have to have some skill to it. Definitely. But I never wanted to spend that money. I never wanted to be that hardcore. I never wanted to be, like you said, I have to go every Friday now to defend my title and to move up in ranking. I want to go and have fun. That's right. I, you know, I, I, we talked about this in a very early episode. You know, I had really odd skills when I was young, like I could play chess very well. I could solve uh, a cryptograms very well. But when I got like approached with, hey, you could be a chess master. It was like, well, I don't know that I want to do only that. Don't you have to kind of be Bobby Fisher and yeah. be kind of crazy, isolate yourself, study chess all the time. I kind of wanted to do a lot of different things and I wanted to have fun doing it. So whenever Colleen and I had talked about, hey, we should go to the Crossword Puzzle Tournament in Stanford, Connecticut, always what I say is, well, I want to go in whatever the division is that says, I'm curious as to how I would do, but I don't care. I'm not competitive in that way. And I I just, I like to be around word people, but the people that are too fanatic about it, I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be where all all of them. That's why at some of the RGs, uh, when they have the tournaments, now those are, you know, just local minor tournaments and they don't mean anything past Sunday. (laughs) But a lot of times I won't play because there are some people on certain games and you learn who they are, that they're just cutthroat and they're like out for blood. And if you happen to be on their team and you make a mistake they're if you're not paying attention, they're on your case. And it's, that's too much stress. It's a game, which is by definition supposed to be fun. (laughs) And if I'm that stressed... (laughs) I, it's kind of funny that I, I think I got an early impression of this from like Mad Magazine of all places. They used to have lots of references, maybe in Dave Berg's things, about how couples would almost divorce over playing bridge. Right. You know what I mean? That they'd be analyzing the game and that you threw the wrong card and they were really angry about it. And I was like, I learned to play bridge in college. And same thing, I, I was okay because I... I memorize well, I know the conventions, et cetera. But then when I got into that thing of, well, now you have to come every Tuesday and Friday and be, you know, play regularly. And you got to find a partner that you're compatible with. And I was like, I just, can I play casually? No, they immediately try to kind of induct you. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm being groomed to be a chess master. And another one of those things that even at like other tournaments, I just... I don't want to have to get any better than I already am for playing Scrabble. I'm really quite good at it. I've gotten, I have a good anagramming ability and, but I don't want to memorize the two letter and three letter word lists because that's absolutely essential to be a competitive Scrabble player. Right. Which is like itself, you know, like, Really? So he's a world-class sprinter, is he? When is sprinting going to matter? (laughs) But anyway. Except when you're being chased by a bear. (laughs) While I watch the Olympics, I'm aware of that's a pretty rarefied skill. Yeah, yeah. And so is bridge and so is Scrabble and so is magic and all yeah. the things we're talking about, you know. But but I always I like to do, like you said, a lot of different things and I like different games and stuff, but I've never really cared so much about being the champion. I just want to play. Yeah. I just joined a kickball league. Uh, in Cuyahoga Falls. Um, Good for you. I've wanted to either play soccer or softball, but the problem is they want a whole team to sign up. And where I live, everything's far away and nobody else around me wants to do it. So this Cuyahoga Falls Kickball League, you can sign up independently. And once they get a full team of independents, they'll assign you. Yeah. I'm like, great, I'll do it. I'm there. So as long as we get a few more people, uh, I'll be playing. And I'm happy. You know, kickball is not, the one I wanted to do, but I want to get out and a little exercise and some people and, you know, I so hear you. We'll that's, see. Honestly, that's a great idea. You know, like I, I used to play softball in Chicago all the time in Chicago. Remember it's 16 inch. It's not mitts. It's the big, you know, uh, right. marshmallow of a ball. And occasionally when I went up against people that were like trying to take it too seriously, I, I would play, but I would make fun of it all the time. You know what I mean? Like my infield chatter would always be, making fun of the fact that we're caring too much about yeah. position. <laughs> oh, no, this guy's not a hitter. Bring him in. It's like, oh, yeah, you got to worry. Oh, I, I won't even go into it. In college and then in um, uh, downtown leagues from Pete Marwick and uh, where I worked at uh, consulted to Ameritech, they had a big softball summer league. And I would be like, bring my dog Fenris. He'd be the, the head of the party because he's just such a cuddly, real plush toy. 
And then I'm, I'm like, you know, hey, can I bring my Diet Coke out there and set it down while I play third base or something like that? I just tried to make it how unserious I was taking. And right. uh, the alpha males, ha ha, were taking it so hard. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I never fluffed it. I never like voluntarily missed something. I tried to play well, but I didn't have that like in the gut need to win. Yeah. That's the story of my life. And I, just... I, I figure this is kickball. I mean, the only other thing would be dodgeball. If you're taking right. those too seriously, you need to reevaluate your life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, Colleen and I love playing mini golf. And one of the reasons that we love it is because how can you take it seriously? Yeah. You know, wow, you brought your turbocharged ultra putter so that you could hit the crocodile's head and it went onto the magic lily pad just perfectly. And you must be very proud. Right. And, and I just, I, we, it's a great equalizer, not only between her and I, but with everybody. You just can't take it seriously. I don't want to become a golfer. I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. and keep knocking strokes off because I'm getting better and practicing. I want it to be what we just talked about, fun right. and lighthearted and inherently silly. You know, yeah. so and that actually the one place I worked, they had a, a some sort of a golf tournament and I almost went to it, but something came up, whatever. I don't know. But the way they did it was like the perfect way to do it. I thought it was wonderful because I'm like, guys, you don't want me. I, I don't golf. I've never golfed. I'm going to hit the weeds. I might only make it halfway to the green. It'll, uh, you know, it'll be a part yeah, 27 yeah. or something. And they're <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It's a scratch game. I'm like, what the hell is a scratch game? Well, you have teams of four and they only take the highest score. So even if you're the one that sucks the whole time, you don't bring the whole team down. That's right. Well, that's awesome. I love that. Right. No you pressure. play the best shot. Exactly that. You know, and it's funny when I have, I've occasionally played golf and that's like, you know, get me to the pin. My short game is really good. I play a lot of mini right. golf and they would laugh, but it'd be like, I was a pretty good putter. Cause that's my distance, I guess is 20 feet, not 400 yards or whatever. Did I tell you, Oh my gosh, <laughs> we found a bowling place down here. We went bowling a couple weeks back. Uh, and I'm okay. I used to actually go bowling with my grandmother who was on a league and had trophies and stuff. So it's one of those things where people are like, Oh, the nerds going up to play. Oh my God, you got a strike. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what happens. I'm not great. You know, when I hit 120, I'm like, Whoa, good game. Um, but better yet. I don't know if I told you they have ax throwing at this place. <laughs> How cool yeah, is that? Unless you're a Norseman, you don't have a lot of experience doing that. No, anybody, but you know, you know how much I mean? fun it is to throw an axe and, and <laughs> you know get it to sink into the wood. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to do that again. So <laughs> something we should do sometime. That's that. Did you do the Johnny Carson? Remember where they had the guy that was uh, Davey Crockett's Indian companion? And on a Johnny, famous Johnny Carson episode, no, they had him demonstrating his axe throwing skills. And as I recall... It didn't hit the guy in the head. It hit him right in a very tender area. Well, and we had that on America's funniest videos forever. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, you know, I guess this guy is now, uh, you know, um, emasculated or something like that. No, no, circumcised. They said circumcised, if I remember right. So. Well, you know, he was trying to hit wood. So you never know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, now we've degraded. <laughs> well, hey, I'm about to get going because I got to pick a kid up from school still. Okay, so it's, uh, I'm out in California for the you know this coming week. We can do this again next Tuesday, or whatever works for you. Okay. I'm, I'm not flying out until late Tuesday night, if I remember right. So depending on uh, whatever's easy for your schedule, I know that we'll we figure something out. Ebb and flow, exactly. Yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, get Take some care, things Steve. done, man. Talk to you later. Absolutely. All right. Bye bye. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.